And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Hello from an extra midweek episode of the Race MotoGP podcast, because even though we've got back-to-back races, rather a lot has happened in the few days since we last spoke to you on the evening of the Portuguese Grand Prix. It's been a few days of penalties seeming to not count and then being moved and then along the way we had extra injuries coming to light new rider absences and now not exactly open warfare but uh, MotoGP officiating under more pressure than it's been for a while so I'm Matt Beer with me are Simon Patterson and Valentin Hurunchi to recap everything that's happened over the last three days and uh, debate the consequences of it so Simon uh, over to you first to run through the kind of five big developments we've had since we finished recording on Sunday night. So when we when we finished recording on Sunday night, we saw we just saw Mark Marquez. Uh, we'd just spoken to him, and his hand was in a cast because he had a suspected broken thumb. Um, he immediately left the circuit in Portimao, went to Madrid, and had surgery that night to have two screws installed in it, uh, and then subsequently announced that he wouldn't be riding in Termas de Rio Hondo this weekend because of that injury. Uh, then we, so we had already got the sanction notification at the time that, uh, that we recorded the podcast, I think, which said that he had a double long lap penalty specifically, and this is where the issue arises, to be served at the Michelin Argentinian Grand Prix. Uh, that was the exact wording of the sanction. Um, so when I saw that, I immediately messaged the, the director of communications at Dorna to ask what happens if Mark can't ride in Argentina, because the, the penalty says Argentina, right? So they come back to me and said, yeah, the penalty is specifically for Argentina. So once we got the notification on Monday morning that he wasn't fit to ride, um, it became immediately apparent that, you know, he... He, in theory, by the letter of the law, wouldn't have to serve any sanction for the, the collision with Miguel Oliveira and, and Jorge Martin. Um, then the stewards basically retroactively rewrote the sanction that they'd handed him um, and changed it to say that it was now for the next Grand Prix that he was due to race in, which right now most likely looks to be the the Grand Prix of the Americas in Texas, which is obviously one of his all-time favorite circuits. It's one of the two tracks that you look at in this year's calendar. And I think we've said it in the podcast before, you know, it's one of the two circuits along with the Saxon ring that we've looked at and said, well, at least Honda's going to get two wins this year because you assume even even a not fully fit Marc Marquez at the circuit of the Americas on a crap or C213V is probably enough to pull off a race win based on everything we've seen from them there in the past. So yeah, that that obviously caused a lot of controversy. The fact that they'd kind of changed the law after they'd already issued the first penalty. Uh, and then this morning, I just got off a plane in, in Terramas de Riohondo and the, the press release that I think we were kind of waiting for in some ways landed 
saying, yeah, Honda are going to appeal this. So where it stands right now, Honda are going to go probably on Thursday, I would imagine, to the FIM appeal stewards and protest the the changing of the penalty as you know as they see it and as a lot of others see it and I would imagine as the law sees it as well. Um and and then we'll find out whether or not Mark Marquez will actually be penalized or not for everything that went on last Sunday afternoon. And in the meantime, despite escaping what looked like relatively unscathed from a very painful looking crash, uh, Miguel Oliveira suffered some ligament damage in his leg. So will now also be absent from Argentina, becoming the full-time rider number four to to skip the Argentina round, which clearly, well, I don't know if that was related or not. It's hard to tell, but clearly RNF really are not taking this whole situation particularly well, nor nor should they. And of course, after their actually post-race press release featured a vow from uh, team boss Raslan Razali to lobby for harsher penalties in MotoGP, that vow has now translated into a full-on statement from the team, which, you know, same thing said, basically, but escalated it slightly and drawing attention to it by issuing a, like a separate full statement, which I think did come after the after it was confirmed that Oliveira was out for Termas. So I think that's probably not a coincidence because I, I suspect they're reeling because what was a really good start to the season has now turned into this. Um... Yeah, so what Simon said about uh, them going in front of the MotoGP appeal stewards on Thursday, uh, Honda hasn't outlined its exact case yet. The, the thing that Honda said in its statement is that it does not believe that the revised penalty is in line with the current MotoGP sporting regulations, uh, which I maybe should know as at the back of my hand, but don't. And I, I think all, all three of us don't quite, but it's, yeah, it's quite a dense document. It's a, it's sporting regs. I've looked through it. I, I, I don't see a double jeopardy clause. I don't see anything like that. I see an extremely wide remit for the MotoGP stewards to act as they want, to issue penalties as they want. And though it's not like specifically said, as far as I can tell, to amend penalties as they want, or maybe they what they can maybe do is assess a penalty for Termas and then assess a penalty for Kota if they don't feel that the Termas penalty was was served, which honestly might have been a tidier way to do it than just offer a midweek correction. But I imagine there was public pressure to to clarify and fix the situation, which has now invited a Honda appeal. It's it's a complicated and very interesting situation because it, it you know, assuming that the appeal stewards rule in favor of the steward stewards, which is my assumption, just based on the regs that I saw and based on how MotoGP tends to work, we'll see, I guess. Maybe maybe they'll something Honda has up its sleeve will end it right here, but I don't see it. But as, assuming the appeal stewards hold up the revised sanction, then where does that go next? It goes to the... If Honda takes it there, it goes to the MotoGP. Is it Court of Appeal? Court of Appeal. The, F- yeah. the FIM MotoGP Court of yeah, Appeal, yeah. which is a separate yeah. thing. Yeah. And then, if beyond that, it of course goes to the. Is it Court of the Arbitration of Sports in? Yeah, it is. Wherever in Europe. <laughs> Somewhere in Switzerland. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we we should say there's a lot of attention being put in this situation because it's Mark Marquez. Um, but this is kind of a row that's been brewing in multiple ways for a while. Um, because the, the, the wording of the initial sanction is not something that was unique to Mark Marquez. 
So every sanction, so I went back and looked through three years of uh, MotoGP sanctions, which they sanction a lot of people. I didn't realize that like quite how many until I, I sort of started compiling documents, but there's like, there's like a hundred. Um, they, every one of those sanctions with the exception of three, sorry, four state that the penalty will be served at insert name of next Grand Prix here. So, so the putting in the name of, you know, putting in the Argentinian Grand Prix is not something unique to Mark Marquez. Um, the only four exceptions to that that I have found was Celestino Vietti got a penalty at the end of last season, in the final round of last season at Valencia, and it was for the next Grand Prix, which he served on Sunday. Um, he served that penalty during the, the race double long lap. Uh, two of the other examples were for substitute riders who weren't sure if they would compete in the next race or not, filling in for uh, whoever they were replacing. And the wording of both of those said, at the next round, you compete in that season. Um, which, which you know, I think uh, the last one was uh, Senna Adigas, who was replacing Sam Lowe's. Uh, Mark VDS at the end of last season, I've butchered his surname. I can tell from Val's look. Yeah, there's no way. There's no way it's pronounced like that. I don't I know guess, what it's pronounced. I guess, I think. I guess, all right. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, and he ended up, that penalty has basically disappeared now because he didn't end up replacing Sam. And that went away. Now, the only other one, and this is where things get a little bit complicated, that, that didn't state that it was for the next Grand Prix, but for the next Grand Prix in which the rider competed, was Johan Zarco's pit lane start penalty from Austria in 2020. Ooh. Where he had that huge yeah. crash with, yeah, where he had that huge crash with Franco Morbidelli and where he was declared unfit for the following race. But the sanction, the, the, the appeal, if you remember, the, the hearing, sorry, happened on the Thursday following the race and not on the Sunday afternoon. So we knew by that point that Zarco wasn't going to be fit for the Styrian Grand Prix, as I think it yeah. was, which was the back-to-back -back race at Austria with that one. Um, and, and in that case, they ruled that it was for the next race that he was to compete in, and I think he served it at Misano. So basically all of this row stems from the fact that that wording that the wording used in Zarco's case in 2020 didn't become the standard wording like it really, really should have. Um, you know, that was kind of, as far as I can see it, that's the trigger for everything that's followed since this week. It just seems like such a an obvious error to end up making because the, the official MotoGP notice that Mark Marquez was officially unfit came out very soon after the race on, on Sunday. You know, he was walking through the paddock with his arm in a cast, basically, and, and the notice went out. So before that penalty is announced, it's clear he's unfit. We were talking straight away that afternoon about about the wording and whether it meant what it seems to mean. And obviously you clarified later that night that it did. It's amazing given that the number of penalties they hand out that this hasn't happened before and has come to a head only now. I, I actually, um, we posted a photograph really shortly afterwards. Um, I think we had the first photograph showing Mark in a cast. Uh, and I got that photo as he went to the steward's room. So he had the cast on when he went to, to you know, be disciplined, basically. So they, they knew at that stage that he was at least relatively, you know, relatively badly hurt. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. So where this seems to be going now is kind of far beyond the issue of this one Marquez penalty obviously Honda is going to argue like hell to get the penalty removed from Kota because like you you've said it's it's one of their best chances of victory in the first half of the season but this this is going much beyond this one particular case this feels like a round that's been brewing for ages not about wording as such but about everything to do with MotoGP officiating so where does this go now so for me the the funny thing about the situation is I don't think either party looks particularly good i think both parties sort of take a bit of a a bit of a public hit public hit for honda is i think obvious it's you know filing that appeal is in some way an admission that they do not and have no intention of serving the penalty that was assessed and i think okay maybe you know there's been some arguments on twitter of whether you know missing a race by itself is, is punishment enough but that's, that's kind of, I don't think that's what we're used to. I don't think that's our understanding as people who follow various forms of motorsport. You know, like Jensen Button still has a grid penalty hanging over him in Formula One for instance, oh, yeah. after, yeah, after sending Pascal Verlein almost into the harbor uh, in Monaco five years ago. So whenever Jensen races again in Formula One, that'll be waiting for him. But that's, you know, that's sort of the custom. You serve the penalty when you show up. You don't, like, it doesn't burn up if you're hurt or, you know, you've got a stomachache or something or whatever. Um, so, yeah, that statement from Honda and that appeal decision is an admission that they have no interest of serving that penalty, which does sort of contravene Mark's post-race rhetoric of, well, it's a double long lap because that's the new practice. But if it was worse, I'd accept it because I messed up. That's, you know, that's on Honda's side. And I think their statement maybe doesn't really go one way or another because you could also read Honda's act as being not even so much about the actual on-track penalty, although it's always about the on-track penalty because, you know, they're all competitors, but about a public vote of no confidence in the stewarding regime, which if you're a regular listener to this podcast or watch MotoGP and have eyes, you know <laughs> that there is there is a situation there that has been there for a while. 
and that rider confidence you know it's it's some i i don't know if it's uniformly all riders because some riders tend to like to speak for all riders which isn't always you know isn't always true but certainly the confidence could be higher i don't know how many euphemisms i can make it's 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 not high and there's been a lot of various controversies and obviously look refereeing controversies every sport has them every sport will always have them until we're all replaced with ai that makes all the decisions and then just does the sports instead of us but yeah obviously you know that MotoGP stewarding is in a particular potentially transitionary state maybe because of, of the tensions brewing and this might be a potentially pivotal development in what's going on there the the difference in this and refereeing you know issues in other sports is that over the course of a premiership football weekend you've got what 15 different referees in play we have basically one referee we have one chief steward who this always comes back to uh former former world champion freddie spencer um who is i think probably the the like the dislike for him in an official capacity or in a you know in in a professional capacity across the paddock is almost universal at this point because everyone has been everyone has been aggrieved by him in one way or another that that's what it feels like right now. That that you know, there's maybe not everyone, maybe not everyone has feels like he's been too lenient. Maybe some people feel like he's been too harsh. But but there's always you know everyone has had an encounter in the MotoGP class with Freddie Spencer at this point, um, and I think it's probably one of the few things that there's a universal consensus about right now is that they would they would quite like to see someone else come into that role. Um, you know, it, it's it's pretty damning whenever you're in a week where one team is complaining that he isn't strict enough, and another team is complaining that he's too, you know that that he's buggered up the rules. When you've got both of those good on at the same time, it, it's like a you know an attack from both directions, and it, it kind of feels like it kind of feels like this is an opportunity that some teams have been waiting for. To, to make this move against Spencer in a in a sort of a legal capacity. Um, it's quite ironic that it's coming from Honda, the team that he won loads of championships for. Um, but, you know, th- such is the depth of the the issues going on here that, you know, that the, the, there is consensus for change. Obviously, you know, you're never going to have a popular referee, a popular chief steward. That's a really hard job to get right, but it does feel like in MotoGP there's been too many obvious missteps the Takanakagami crash at Barcelona at the start last year that he if I remember rightly got no penalty whatsoever for was that no penalty yeah I, I every time I say that I think that cannot that cannot have been the outcome so I must have misremembered but no he'd got no penalty for wiping out a lot of riders at that point um like you say Simon it, it, this does not look great on Honda because Honda is effectively saying our rider took out a couple of other people and wrecks their races we don't we're going to get him away with. We're going to let him get away with it if we possibly can. At the same time, Honda's a professional sports team. It's there to win MotoGP races. This is giving it a much better chance to win a MotoGP race. I can't really, morally, I can look down on that a little bit. But it's it's yeah. You know, Honda's there to win a MotoGP. This is what it has to do at the moment. And the officials with the wording of this penalty has give have given Honda an enormous open goal to try and get that penalty taken away. So can't really fault them for that. Yeah, whoever was in this role 
there would be objections to penalties. That is the nature of the game. But MotoGP, MotoGP officiating is making this far too easy for teams and riders to throw bricks at the moment. It, it's sort of this weird counterpoint between the obvious heavy reliance on leg- legalese for modern sports, basically in every sort of in every version of them, and basically every walk of life in modern sports. The increased professionalism, which means increased legalese, which means everything has to be prescribed with with the specific points in the regulations. And the fact that MotoGP stewarding from everything we hear from riders still seems to be an extremely informal affair of whether who gets called up, who comes up to offer there, who goes where, who lobbies what, uh, you know, what the investigation process looks like, etc., etc. Honestly, something like that was always inevitable and it's a, a little bit surprising that it honestly took so long for us for us to get here and if this is resolved amicably somehow then it's still we're going to get here again and again and again um it's a strange situation because i i don't know which way to look at it honda i think common sense tells you that honda has a case right but your feelings on that case will depend strongly on your feelings of how appropriate things should be from a legal standpoint in terms of MotoGP stewarding. If you like it a little bit more informed, a little bit more lenient, then you may like the wide remit that the MotoGP stewarding panel has, even if obviously some of the specific decision-making gets questioned. Because, you know, like Formula One fans complain all the time about how prescribed and restrictive everything is and how every collision needs ruling on, etc., etc., but if you're a stickler for rules, then obviously this is this is the most obvious thing that you know you have to have everything like this written down in the regulations. You have to have the specific timing of the penalty, you know, specific prescribed penalties, what you can do to existing verdicts, how you can amend them, how you can't amend them, just that kind of thing. Uh, this might nudge us more towards the latter is my expectation because this this should lead to some things being prescribed in the regulations i think the the other element to this that i i think is quite interesting is um so that the coverage of these both both the the statement from raslan rosali and rnf and the uh no you know consequently the the honda appeal has been quite there's been quite a lot of coverage from MotoGP themselves um and normally they're, you know, as an organization, they, they tend to try and hide things that they're not, you know, that they don't want out there too publicly, which is normal. Like, that's how every organization works, let's be honest. But this is all something that's coming from not them. You know, it's yeah. really, really important to stress that. This is an FIM issue. This is not a Dorn issue. But we're three days after their first ever all hyped new era sprint race and we're doing an emergency podcast on stewarding they've got to be furious at the way that the attention has been taken off what should have been a you know a successful new weekend for them um and and i think that that is being shown in the way that they're going about covering this um i think they're not happy either and to be honest you can understand why uh i i also yeah i think there the signs are pretty clear that they're not happy but honestly if i'm out of gp I'd rather everybody talked about the stewarding controversy than the fact that four riders are missing the second round through injury and we're going to have 18 bikes instead of 22 on the grid. That's the part 
I wouldn't want covered as much as, and this is, you know, to a certain point, this is just traditional motorsport legal wrangling. Like Formula One has one of those every two weeks. <laughs> what what was the most recent one? What was the one we just had? I can't remember it because my brain is in MotoGP oh, mode. Oh, Fernando Alonso losing his podium, getting his podium back again. And then gaining it two hours later. So you yeah, see like- In a very similar case of wording and timing and yeah boring stuff with quite amusing repercussions basically yeah so yeah maybe this is all just impossible and we should just give up and say whatever i don't actually (laughs) mean that but it it is surprising how often we seem to end up with situations like that yeah whichever way you look at it it has been a rough start to 2023 and the new era for MotoGP. to be in a controversy like this this early and to have so many riders hurt and missing just one weekend is is not great. There's been an awful. There was an awful lot to enjoy last weekend. We debated it on the last podcast. Some of the racing in the sprint, in particular, was absolutely superb. The field contains so many teams and riders capable of winning. There's so much that's absolutely mega, and there's there's also stuff that's just unnerving and a bit worrying. And it's it's sad and not great to be going into this weekend thinking, for me personally, above everything else, can no one else get hurt? Please, can we just have two? fairly calm entertaining races and just get these 18 riders and the and as many of the other four back as possible get them to cota in, in one piece please because last weekend was, was a bit too much yeah i mean for, for what it's worth to, to to counter some of the doom and gloom that i myself have massively participated in and will probably continue to do so I mean, simon you did run a poll on twitter with four thousand responses and it looks like 76 percent of the people quite dug the new format which is that's <laughs> Honestly, to get that many people go to bat for you over a new format, considering how resistant people are to change, that's, I mean, MotoGP, if that answer is replicated on their own channels or what they hear privately with focus groups or whatever they run, it's got to be fairly encouraging, I imagine. Yeah, I think consensus among us as well is there's, there's a lot to be happy about in MotoGP this season. But we could really do with a controversy and injury-free weekend in Argentina to uh, just settle everything down and get back to enjoying the things that we are enjoying, that you know, the racing, the new format that's pleasantly surprised us and how close the competition is. Thank you. Oh, Simon has got one more thing to throw in. I, I was just going to say, it's it's really good that we're a Termist Rio Hondo, a circuit that has never produced any MotoGP controversy <laughs> or uh, weird shooting decisions over the year. <laughs> People, people keep sending me the photograph of uh, Jack Miller sitting alone at the front of the grid as sort of, you know, anticipating oh, yeah. what the grid's going to look like come Sepang. And on that note, I think we'll wrap things up for here. But thank you for joining us for this extra, extra and slightly strange circumstances podcast. We'll be back on Monday morning releasing our post-race Argentinian Grand Prix podcast. Who knows what we're going to have to talk about then. Look forward to seeing you then. The Athletic.